Hi, I'm Deborah Hamilton. Welcome to my podcast, Why Do Pets Matter? Ten years ago, with my iPhone and a script, I recorded the first episode of the Ultimate Pet Resolution Summit, which chatted with experts about conflicts over animals. Our conversations were intimate, honest, and illustrated how disagreements over animals occur and how those disagreements can reshape people's lives and relationships. In November 2019, I started Why Do Pets Matter, a new podcast that continued these informative discussions. I'm so excited to have you here with me, continuing my exploration into a more meaningful conversation about why pets matter to all of us. My guests and I will share ideas, stories, and experiences straight from the heart, unscripted and holistic. From the bravest moments to the most brokenhearted, we will explore how to resolve disagreements over animals differently. One thing I know for sure is I want to have more meaningful conversations that will help all of us unlock that deeply felt human-animal bond that drives the emotions of conflict. Hi, it's Deborah Hamilton, and today we're going to talk with Rachel Lemke. She is the founder of the Amwell data service company, which you might say, Deb, what are you talking about? Well, I think it should mean animal wellness because she's an independent vet laboratory consultant. She helps your vet get the information they need for testing products at the best price so they can pass that on to their clients. She's brilliant. You're going to love this conversation. Uh, we talk about HGTV and ESPN. So why do we do that? Uh, I, I can't wait for you to hear her. Let's hear what Rachel has to say. I'm here with Rachel Lemke, a good friend of mine, a new friend of mine, who does wonderful things for veterinarians that really benefit their clients. I'm going to let her tell you about it in a few minutes because it just blew me away. So I'm so grateful you're here, Rachel, on Why Do Pets Matter? Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Well, you and I had such a great conversation that I couldn't wait to have you as a guest. So what we do on Why Do Pets Matter, first thing out of the box is ask you what you do, and then we ask you what one question. So I already teased it by saying you help vets and in helping vets, you benefit clients. So what did I mean? Sure. So what I do, I've been told is unique, but I call myself an independent veterinary laboratory consultant. So the short answer is I help vets get the most out of their lab services. Um, a bigger answer is I help them strategically plan and optimize their lab services. And that could look different for different practices. For startups that might be helping them pick out which equipment is actually best suited to them, which lab equipment is best um, from a business perspective and from clinical needs. And then maybe for an established practice, I'm helping them with their lab contract um, and helping them kind of get the biggest bang for their, for their buck with their partnership with these vendors. So that translates to lower prices for the clients. How great is that? That's like an art, I'm sure, to be able to work with veterinarians and work with their suppliers to come to an agreement that actually enables everyone to row the boat in the same direction. That's a great way to put it. Fabulous. So what we do is we then ask you the first question and then run on after that. Why do pets matter to you? It's a great way to experience life, but I can't imagine not having 
Ooh, I'm going to try not to cry. I can't imagine not having that emotional bond. My, my cat with chronic kidney disease is 17. She's off camera sleeping. Um, so I, I've been in a state of, uh, anticipatory grief for the last like year and a half. So I, pets matter to me because of the, the joy and the bond that they, that they bring. That is so incredibly warm and fuzzy for me because it is often, you know, when veterinarians speak to us, it's, it's more clinical. I love animals, but yours was definitely heartfelt based on your current experience with your wonderful cat, who's still there, thankfully, and giving you much love and joy. And as we all know, um, unfortunately, they never outlive us, which is not necessarily the best of worlds. However, every minute, it really makes it valuable to us. So I want to thank you for that, because every time I talk about certain animals that I've had in my life or that I have in my life, I sometimes get very teary too. So please don't, don't even think about it because most of my listeners would think, here you are taking beautiful care of your wonderful cat and every day is a gift. And whether yeah. it's a two-year-old without kidney disease or an 18-year-old with kidney disease, it's every day is a gift. Yeah. So it's really nice that I'm able to do Number one, the work that I do and advocate for uh, for practitioners and their teams, but I'm also able to do it in a way that's flexible enough that lets me have a kitty cuddle afternoon if, if she's really begging for attention. Because I know that that time is precious, so I try to be home and with her. And that recharges your battery too. I oh, mean, yeah. you are working so hard with veterinarians trying to and um, help them initiate relationships that benefit everyone. Um, and that takes a lot out of you, I'm sure. Tell me a little bit more about what you do as far as connecting with veterinarians, because I'd love my audience to ask their veterinarians if they have someone like Rachel uh, working with them to get the uh, medical and um, uh uh, vaccinations or medication or equipment in a way that really helps them pass that savings on to the clients? How would they begin to talk about you and, and share this podcast and this information sure. with their vets? That is a great question. So if I was a pet owner and I wanted to, which I am, uh, <laughs> and if I wanted to have that conversation with my vet, um, I would probably guess that they, that the vet is probably having to do this solo. What I mean is most of the time, unless the veterinarian is part of maybe like a co-op or kind of a think tank community, they are kind of flying blind where they are just uh, supported by the reps by the, by the vendor reps. And so there's not a lot of guidance of what is actually available. For example, um, so the contracts I work on, they can include lab equipment, um, pricing for reference lab testing, pricing for wellness testing. Um, we can sometimes design panels um, and kind of customize some things, but there's different options available. Um, but unless the rep from that company, the third-party company, shares basically everything that's available or all the options, 
kind of like when you're going to shop for a car they don't sometimes they'll tell you all the trims and sometimes and features and sometimes they don't um so my job is to kind of educate the veterinarian about what's available these think tank groups they've i think they're able to do some of that but i get really in the weeds i think in a good way um, and provide a lot of guidance with that so what i've been told is that there are other consultants like me that will try to just uh, help the help the veterinary team get the lowest price available period it's kind of like if you're house shopping and you you just need to or your car shopping and you just need the lowest option and you you buy the cheapest option and that's it but that might not actually be the best fit for now or the best fit for kind of the planned or forecasted future so that actually might be a regrettable decision down the road so i am different in that i am combining kind of the business needs in terms of the priorities and the clinical needs to figure out the best balance. So I'm trying to get the best option or options um, and find that sweet spot and get that at the best price for the team. So you're helping veterinarians get the most bang for their buck given their personal um, needs based on their practice history. So if yeah. they you know, tend to have a certain number of pets that need this test or that test Absolutely. Um, over another test. It may be, like you said, um, sort of like buying a car with leather seats or without leather seats or, you know, the cable company, you know, yeah. do you watch, do you watch, you know, Netflix or don't you, do you watch the sports or don't you? So you can pick and choose and you help them decide given their historic yeah. uh, purchases where you can save the money. And so it's not right. simply these are the lowest prices. If I heard you right, these yeah. aren't necessarily just the lowest prices, but this is where you're going to get the most bang for your buck over the entire spectrum of testing. You um, nailed it. That's exactly what I do. So this is it's so important for veterinarians to know. So all of my veterinarians on this call, the, listening to this podcast, um, make sure you get in touch with Rachel. But for my um, pet owners, I have started doing this, which I hope all of you will do. I usually, you know, will check Rachel out um, on Facebook or on LinkedIn and then proceed to, you know, make a copy and give it to my vet and say, you might want to look into this because if this is going to benefit the veterinarian, because they're going to get the kinds of equipment and testing that they need based on their practice, then that's going to be a trickle down effect to me. And wouldn't you like to be the client who gave your veterinarian that kind of information? Yeah. So to give you an idea of like how valuable the work is that I do, um, I have a, a client who um, was a startup. So they were a, a new veterinary practice that opened, um, a startup general practice, and they were independent. So they're not, they're not corporately owned. They're basically self-funded um, and they're small animal only. So dogs and cats. And I um, brought in a few different vendors for them, a few different uh, car models, if you will. Um, <laughs> and uh, normally my analogies are about food or cable passes or cable packages yeah yeah that's totally fine um different cable providers and um we found the best fit for them and i was able to negotiate a deal that would save them a projected 115k 
plus over the term of that contract. So um, that doctor was able to pay their staff um, a living wage um, and, and fairly compensate their highly trained staff for what they, uh, for the skills and the care that they bring to the team uh, and the pets that they care for. But if that doctor had wanted to pay that team that those wages, he would have had to figure out another way to raise funds. And that would have trickled down in a negative way um, to the, um, the rates that the pet owners pay. Cause that's something he was super conscientious about too, when we were working together. You know, most veterinarians do want to charge their clients fairly based on all of their expenses. I always say to people when they tell me, oh, vet costs are so much. I go, yes, but recognize what they have to do. They have to have um, a wonderful uh, staff, which needs to be compensated from the front desk people to the back of the house people to the assistant vest that might be there. So you need to understand the, the nut they're cracking every month. And the cost of everything has gone up. So most veterinarians, if they could work with you, if they could negotiate something that would bring in an extra 50, 80, $115,000, that definitely would assist them to pay their staff without necessarily having to do it on the um, markups of different exactly. things that they're doing for their clients, which you know, you should be walking on water for all of us because that would be such a great opportunity. Now, let me ask you a question because you said that mostly it's it's smaller vets, single docs, you know, maybe two or three docs together. So in corporate um, vet America, do you have an inroad there? Like if any anyone is in corporate, is there a way or do they get that because they're such a big conglomerate? Ooh, that's a can of worms. Um... Well, just, right. you know, I'm going to try to be So I, so there are, there are, think of it like mom and pops that still exist, thankfully. Okay. Um, there are, um, there are mom and pops that are, sorry, cat sneeze. God bless you. God bless you. <laughs> She's been a sneezy fit today. I don't know what's going on, but there are kind of mom and pops that kind of do it on their own. There's mom and pops that are part of a think tank. Sometimes those think tanks get uh, special rates with vendors anyway. Um, now, whether or not I can get them a, a better rate, uh, or a more appropriate rate based on their correct based on them based on them i'm i'm anti-cookie cutter um but then there are kind of small corporate groups and there are big corporate groups so i have not worked with very large corporate groups um the fancy word for that would be that's not my target market um that's not where my heart lies um so for me um i do have some clients with uh, very large volumes. I have a client that has, um, we'll say between five and 10 locations. Um, and, but they're a veterinarian owned, uh, group, but they're in a geographical area. Um, and they have pretty healthy volumes. And so they're able to get healthy discounts, healthy pricing. But I also have, um, other clients that are not that size that are also able to get competitive pricing. So I don't know what the really, really, really big kids, I don't know their 
I could guess at their volumes, but I don't know how that works. But I know um, that I can pretty well get competitive pricing. I'm not worried about a practice's size. Let's put it that way in terms of competitive pricing. It's kind of how it's the cars or the uh, or the cable providers that you look at and the way that you plan it that I think is more important. And it seems to me that your target market, which is a great way to put it, would be to help the smaller practices compete with the larger practices um, on a volume scale so that they can charge the same thing or near the same thing because they're smaller and and this way they can negotiate for uh, the best of all worlds for everyone. So thank God you're there because you're helping everyone. Really, you've taken the time to make your skill, yourself the skills person in navigating uh, these companies so that you can help your clients find what's best for them. So like you said, it's not cookie cutter, it's individual. Correct. Correct. And it's built on, and it's not just built on the business numbers. It's built also on the clinical need. So it's not just a matter of, well, this panel is cheaper, like this lab testing panel is cheaper than that one. Well, that if you do that, maybe that ignores what the what the doctors actually want. So that's not helpful. Um, you know, it's kind of like if you want to watch ESPN and you only get HGTV, that's not, that's not helpful to you. I, so. I find nothing wrong with that. My husband might have a problem, but I find nothing <laughs> wrong with that. So it, it really is interesting to me because you are assisting to broker communication within the vet practice um, as well. What are you guys looking for? What's really going to serve you? What should we go out there and seek to meet your needs for your clients uh, versus, as you said, just getting a panel that may or may not uh, get the information that you're looking for? Yeah. And sometimes the vendors are, let's rephrase it. Um, if I was a diagnostics company, my goal would be to sell diagnostics. And so sometimes that means bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger panels that just, you know, think of it like a, how, you know, maybe two scoops of ice cream is good. They might think, how about 10? You want 10 scoops of ice cream? You know, it might fall over, but you know, wouldn't that be great? That's great if you sell ice cream, but not if maybe you're kind of on a, a diet or a budget. Um, so sometimes like a bigger panel isn't necessarily the best. So that's when you have to be pretty conscientious about what you are, what you, what's a need versus a want. Um, and that's a really great way to make sure that you're getting really um, relevant information for your clients. Um, and also being able to do that affordably. And I'm sure the the testing providing companies want to work with veterinarians to put the five or six most important tests um, together. Uh, maybe the 10 would be nice for them, but the five are definitely necessary for you. Uh, mm -hmm. So putting those five together, but you know, as with cable, uh, HGTV will not be with ESPN uh, because they know that the wives want HGTV and the husbands want ESPN. So you have to buy two packages then. So what you do is you help find the company that's willing to work with the veterinarians to put HGTV and ESPN together on the same panel. Yeah. So 
Uh, custom panels are typically available. Um, sometimes you have to make a good case for them, but yes, uh, they tend to be available. But also think of it like if you have, okay, we'll stick with HGTV. If you are really into HGTV and give me another channel that's similar. Oh, um, Turner Classic Movies. Oh, okay. Oh, that's a nice one. Um, so if you're really into those, but then they might have a set of panels that includes those, but then let's say you want like one more, one more special thing. I don't know. Maybe you would add ESPN. Maybe not. Maybe you wouldn't add, but someone would like that added. So the labs do typically allow for something called add-on testing, but the problem with add-on testing is that unless you are cognizant uh, when you collect the sample, when you are with the patient, when you are ordering the test, that you want that test added onto that panel, uh, if you want ESPN added, um, if you have not communicated the fact ahead of time, way ahead of time, with the vendor that that add-on test might be important to you down the line, then you're going to have to pay full list price probably for that test. Now, in some cases you're not, but in many cases you would be paying full list price for that test. So now a test that you could have had a really healthy, that the vet could have had a really healthy discount on. Now, if they want this one thing, it's going to cost an arm, a leg and, you know. Yeah. And, and your first born be, child, right. Yeah. And it's going to be a lot kind of tougher. So that's why um, it's nice to be able to add something on, but you kind of need to prepare for it if you're going to be doing it frequently. Well, I have to tell you that that's one of the most important questions that clients and, and veterinarians probably get asked all the time. The clients ask them is, you know, why is it so much more expensive if I have this or that? Well, because there are certain things that we negotiate for that create this this panel that works for 90% of my practice. Yes, yeah. And unfortunately, you're the 90, you're the 10% that might need this extra because you have an 18-year-old cat um, with kidney disease. So you need these extra two tests, which may be a little bit of a unicorn in the testing yeah. together practice. But I think that if veterinarians took the time, which I'm sure you helped them do, um, to explain to their client why this unicorn test, which may up the cost of their testing, is a little more expensive expensive, um, that's great. But if, if there is a significant number of your clients in the practice with older cats who are having kidney issues. Yeah. Then, or if you're a cat only practice, you know, right. or you, yep. or you really like the geriatric patients. Then you would negotiate <laughs> for different kinds of testing. I remember my vet would always say, well, you just need the senior panel. You don't need the young dog panel. If your dog is over, I think seven or eight, you can go for the senior panel and it tests for most of the things that you want to test for. And if you want them to get the, you know, junior panel, uh, because you're, you just want to know those five or six extra things that come with the junior panel or two or three, then just transparently telling a client, you know, what it tests for and how it tests for it um, is important because clients really just want to know. They're likely more than happy to pay the extra just as long as they know um, and why. And if they've already worked with you, they know that they're getting the best value for the um, the common uh, testing uh, panel, 
And yep. then this add-on is different. So uh, this is this is so interesting. And I'm hoping everyone is following us. I was trying to use the analogies because it really does make a difference in understanding if you if you wonder if you add things that are common to people like HGTV. But the one other question I wanted to ask Rachel was, how did you start doing this? Because you're a veterinarian. So no, no, actually. So okay, all right. So this gives me a chance to clear this up. So actually. Good. Uh, to everyone listening, I am not a veterinarian, nor am I a vet tech, which might have you scratching your head. So I um, thank you for giving me this. this uh, no worries. I was I was sitting here going, answer. I think everybody's going to think that Rachel's a veterinarian. So I'm going to give her the opportunity to say, oh, no, I'm a unicorn. Yeah, uh, I, I, um, I, I might be a unicorn. I don't know. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. So um, long story short, I um got my bachelor's uh my bs my uh bachelor of science in animal science uh shout out to berry college in rome georgia um it's a it's a small school but the largest campus in the world it's like twenty six thousand acres it's really cool so i majored in animal science which was um a really big major for that school and a lot of the animal science majors were pre-vet my parents wanted me to be a vet, um, but I, uh, I don't do well with dissections, so that was not going to be a thing for me. I'm yeah, not blood was not your friend. No, so I also minored in business, uh, literally simply because I had a horse at the time, and horses are expensive, and I, I like business, so um, figured that would not hurt. After undergrad, I didn't quite know what I wanted to do. I had started doing some um, academic research and I liked that. So I decided to go to grad school. I was fortunate enough to go to Cornell. I did my master's in animal science at Cornell and I studied chickens, which was not my first species of choice. I wanted to do uh, horses and genetics. And yes, genetics I was going to jump but, in and say horses, but, yeah. <laughs> but uh, that lab was full. So I ended up studying um, genetics and reproduction in uh, chickens using molecular biology techniques. So I learned all of these fancy dancy techniques. Um, now these terms are much more common in the vernacular thanks to COVID. Uh, so qPCR, Western blot, immunohistochemistry, that sort of stuff. And when I got done, I moved to New Jersey, which was not my top 45 states I'd ever thought I would live in. Um, and I had a horse at the time and he got hurt while I was away, <laughs> as horses do. So uh, a vet came to take care of him. This vet was not a solo equine practitioner. This vet was part of a large emergency hospital. So when I got back to town, I brought my resume because I was like, ooh, love horses, love science, and veterinarians are my people because in undergrad, my peers, my friends were pre-vet, so I already fit in. Um, and so I ended up being the lab manager at the Mid-Atlantic Equine Medical Center in central New Jersey for almost four years. Um, and that was a really great experience and I learned a lot. So I optimized day-to-day -day operations in the lab there and I had enough time, uh, surplus time to revive the research program there and also to create a pro-patient profitable workflow with the local Boehringer Ingelheim rep. And that made me think that I can use 
my brain that really likes numbers uh, and my love for the lab and the, the and vet med to basically create a niche for myself. So I've been doing this since the fall of 2020. Wow, what an interesting path. So the fact that you loved animals brought you to uh, your school um, yeah. in Georgia and then on to Cornell for a master's. And while you were at Cornell doing the chicken studies, you realized, well, this, this information I can really use at the equine center, which they probably didn't even know what you were all about when you arrived, but we're glad you were there once you were there. Uh, and so you created this whole entire uh, pro-patient, um, pro-vet medicine um, economics to make sure everybody was working together. And now you've created your own practice. And I don't think we ever mentioned the correct name of your practice. So what is your practice? What's the so, name? So my business, is, my business is called Amwell Data Services. Uh, and uh, for people listening, that's going to sound really vague. And that's because I did not decide to niche down to only veterinary laboratory consulting until after I had created my LLC. So here's a pro tip for anyone who's interested in starting your own business is name it something specific and preferably shorter than that. So uh, I, live, I live in the East Amwell Valley in New Jersey. And so Amwell means something to people within a half hour of here, but I have clients all over the US. I actually had a client in Canada sign yesterday. My first international client was last summer in Dubai. So what I do is not geographically restricted. So, um, but I can't, I don't think independent veterinary laboratory consulting would be a great name for a business either because that's really long. And I always have to explain what that means because that's new. No one knows to look for me. People know to look for like marketing help because they know what marketing is, but they, I'm, what I do is new. So no one, no one knows to look for me. So if you guys can think of a, a more suave name, I'm all ears. Well, I can tell you that, um, Amwell, to me, when I heard it, didn't mean a valley in New Jersey, but really resonated with me that you work in the animal wellness. You help oh. people make sure that the testing they're getting done is done um, at the most economical because you're helping the vet side of the house and also um, making sure that the clients are receiving the benefits. Nice, like a um, positive connotation. Absolutely. Yeah. That's what I thought, Amwell. And I think that you know, um, if you can create something that helps vets do their labs in a more effective, efficient, and economical way, you know, the three E's, uh, yeah. I think you're great. And now you're international. So this is something that, that really, based on your, um, your path, has probably been part of what you wanted to do all along because it seems as if this really is speaking to you, helping people take care of their pets um, and helping veterinarians uh, help their clients take care of their pets in the best way, yeah. efficiently, economically. And I, think it's a, I think it's a great way to help make VetMed a better place for the people of VetMed and the people who care for the pets. So if somebody wanted to get in touch with you um, or tell their vets to get in touch with you, how would they do that? Amwelldataservices.com. 
that's the best way to do it. Um, there's a free, there's a link on there in a few different places to schedule what's called a, a discovery call, um, which sounds a little bit like mum, business mumbo jumbo, but that's basically a free intro call. So if your vet wanted to talk to me and just kind of learn more about me and if I was a good fit for them, if I could help them, um, that's at no charge to them. So it, it's just time, it's not time and money. Um, and I'm, um, I'm always honored to be able to talk to a veterinarian because I know how valuable their time is and how little they have of it. So um, it's all centered around whatever they need. If they just wanna talk for a little bit or longer, that's totally fine. But it pulls everybody into the space where I think you use the term independent vet lab. And there was another letter there because I wrote independent down veterinary laboratory consulting. Yeah, it's yes. a mouthful. <laughs> but you know what? It it perfectly puts what you do. So Amwell is the IVLC. Yeah. And I, I would love to actually explain the I and why I don't want to drop that name, that word, even though it was shortened. So independent, I, that doesn't just mean I work for myself, but, um, a big difference between, uh, we'll say what I do and maybe what some other people could be doing is that I am not a former sales rep and I have no, I have a very strict, um, non-commission, no kickback, etc. policy with any of these vendors. So, um, I'm getting paid through my kind of negotiation and advocacy efforts with the veterinarian by the veterinary team. I'm not getting paid by these vendors. So I'm not in anyone's pocket. So um, I am fully independent and I have declined job offers. I've declined commissions, affiliate things, all sorts of stuff. Um, so I, um, I advocate for the veterinary team strictly. I have to say that was so important besides the fact that we now know that you're Amwell um, data <laughs> services company, but that you're an independent um, veterinary lab uh, consultant because you're independent and you pretty much help mostly independent veterinarians yeah. get the best bang for their buck. So yeah. it's double-edged independent because not only are you independent, and I think that's so important, not that I have any issue with any um, sales rep from any big company, but if we could help independent veterinarians find someone to advocate for them on a broader scale, because we know they don't have a lot of time to meet with all the reps and get the best yeah. deal. But that's what you do for a living. So, you know, let your fingers do the walking as opposed to in the old days, you know, when we had yellow pages, which don't exist anymore. And you're too young to know about that. I know what they are. I know what they are. So, you know, you let Rachel's fingers do the walking and, and then she comes back to you with the information you might need and you work with her. I think this has been such an edu educational podcast for me because I think that being able to help veterinarians find uh, the best cost analysis for everything they're going to do for their clients with regard to testing is key. And Rachel's there to help them. So one last thought, um, Rachel, tell me what is the most impactful thing you've done that really keeps you doing your independent thing? I don't know if I can pick a single thing. It's, it's the relief the relief that I see when I work with these veterinarians and these practice owners and their, their understanding that like there's better options for them 
um, and that I'm able to save these, the precious resource, the fiscal resources that they have access to. I think that look of relief is one of my, my favorite things that never gets old. Yeah, it's that, wow, I can't believe she got this for us and that we can pass this on to pay our staff and our clients, making a whole um, yeah. 60 from where we started, where you talked about saving someone, a, a veterinary $115,000, which enabled him to pay his uh, staff a higher wage without having to really increase his prices, which is fabulous. I'm so glad you were here. Um, keep in touch with us because we'd love to have you back. Anything new that happens. I have, I have some uh, current clients wrapping up, so there should be more success stories on the Yay. So we will have you back to tell us more success stories. I'm going to put all your contact information in the show notes. Everyone, thank you so much for being here with Rachel and I. Until next time, why do pets matter? Because we love them so much. It's Deborah Hamilton. Take care. The Why Do Pets Matter podcast drops every Thursday and can be found on whichever platform you find your podcast. Subscribe now, invite your friends, and I cannot wait to have you join me in these conversations.